Audi is launching its all-electric e-tron range in South Africa in the first quarter of 2022. Join us in celebrating the many possibilities of progress with our Future is an Attitude podcast series. When the cartoon series The Jetsons first aired almost 60 years ago, the world it presented seemed like an impossible dream. In its classic intro, the family of the future jet around an enormous city of skyscrapers in a flying car. The cartoon features everything from 3D printers and talking robots to smart shoes and jetpacks. The stuff science fiction is made of. But these very 1960s predictions about where the world was headed are proving in some ways to be eerily accurate. We're designing and using a lot of them already. The future is going to be different from what we see. And therefore, we've got to look at buildings and spaces and city environments that accommodate that new perspective. The cities of the future are going to allow us to be able to work from anywhere that we choose. It means having that ability to connect from anywhere in the world or anywhere within the cities or within our environments. Think about this, not just my car being driverless, but if every car was driverless, then every car would be able to speak to every other car and between them, they would all be able to come up with the best traffic pattern for now. I'm Zania Mosaka, and this is Future is an Attitude, a new podcast series from Audi about how design, performance, sustainability and the digital world can intersect to help us shape the future we want and need. These principles are not only close to my heart, they're also fundamental to a world in which we can all thrive. We're featuring South Africans who think differently about the future, who challenge the status quo, and who are redefining progress. South Africans who can help us imagine and shape a better tomorrow. Designers are people who bring ideas to life. They imagine what we're going to need and how we're going to use it before we anticipate our need for it. Whether we're talking about buildings, systems, clothes, products or services, everything we use needs to be taken from idea to reality. As a designer, I look at things that could influence how we live, not now, but into the future. And then I interpret my spaces accordingly. But you can't do this if you don't understand people's lifestyles, people's culture, people's traits, people's movement systems. Dr. Luyanda Mpatha is an architect, the head of his own firm in Cape Town. He's also the former president of the South African Institute of Architects and the co-author of a newly released book about managing change called Get Out of Your Mind. Having grown up under apartheid, Luanda spent five years on Robben Island as a political prisoner, and he sees design as a key that can help us unlock a better future for us all. I don't think I was a born designer, having gone to the schools I went to, but I think I got attracted by the quality of spaces and how realizing how polarized our spatial configurations were and still are in South Africa. So I see design in terms of architecture in any case as something that can help contribute to a good quality of life and a good quality of living. 60 years ago, when the Jetsons aired for the first time, fewer than 1 billion people lived in cities globally. By 2050, that figure is expected to balloon to two-thirds of the world's population, 
equating to around six and a half billion people. For us to all be able to live together and still live well, our cities are potentially going to have to grow upwards instead of sideways. You then are going to have to see a different kind of city emerging. Because if you've got a lot of people living in the city, you need amenities, you need schools. We're going to have to think about vertical schools that we see emerging in other cities of the world uh, because the density is so much within the CBD. We're talking about mixed-use skyscrapers that become their own vertical neighborhoods, vertical schools and farms, classrooms and fields stacked on top of each other instead of spread out. Work, play, life, all happening in a single building. But these spaces are still going to need to feel like school or work or home. So all these things are in the minds of designers. When you design a building, what are you designing it for? If it's a school, it's about kids being able to meet, play, chill. If it's a hospital, it's about therapy. It's about making sure you create rooms that are well ventilated. You create grounds that allow patients to walk out in the open do some exercise. The cities of the future won't just be vertical. They'll need to be smart too. Technology is going to change the way we interact with our houses and how they respond to our needs. You are able to install equipment in your house, be able to activate or deactivate you know, gadgets in your house without you being there. Those are developments that are going to make it easier for us to manage our environments. In the next 10 years, our homes are going to become much smarter thanks to connected devices and the Internet of Things. We're talking about your shower turning itself on at just the right time or your electric car making sure that it's charged and ready to go when you leave. Sensors monitoring your health and warning you if you're about to get sick. But what does a smart home look like? What does it feel like? I'm not into sterile spaces. I'm not into like, you know, I just want to walk into a house and I press a button, the door opens and then ask the dog to bark and it barks, that kind of thing. We still need to live in our spaces, okay? We still need to have that connection with the outside, with our gardens. So to me, it's going to be a combination. So I was raised by an architect, so beautiful views and beautiful structures are crucially important to me. And I can look at a beautiful view all day, every day. So I think for me, that's, that's fundamental. Entrepreneur Rapelang Rabana is a world-renowned tech innovator. She's a computer scientist, a huge fan of what the digital world has to offer us, including the Internet of Things. And Rapelang agrees that our physical spaces are going to be every bit as important as our digital ones in the years to come. I think it's going to be more about connectedness and being able to live our humanity in a way as opposed to just being in a stainless steel city and a high building and being lonely and isolated and what have you. I think luxury is going to be about proximity of, of relationships and people we, we really care about. The COVID situation, the isolation, the lockdown has made us to actually appreciate how important it is to be able to share this space all together and be able to do different things and be able to socially distance whilst we're at it. So I'm, I'm of the view that we are going to actually start appreciating the role of design even more because we are going to realize how uninviting perhaps some of the spaces we actually occupy really are. Design can help keep us connected into the future. However, 
it can potentially help us solve some of the problems of the past. Luanda believes that the changing nature of our cities, the shift to vertical density, offers us an opportunity to bring our society closer together. Our built environment in general is going to have to promote more inclusivity than we have at the moment. And I'm speaking now specifically at city scale, whereby I'm really, really a proponent of us dealing through design with the question of fragmented landscapes, fragmented cities, fragmented environments. We've never seen the city as something that is more integrated and more inclusive. So the big disruptor there is how do we engage at a level which changes that mindset. The idea of designing up instead of out actually allows us to bring more people in, people living and working together instead of being separated by long commutes and socioeconomic circumstances. And that results in more inclusivity and less exclusion. It's not only our homes that are going to change as we head into the future. Where and how we work is on the cusp of a major change too. The workplace of the future is not a place. And that's one thing to unlearn, I think, definitely. Just that word. I think sometimes even the wording that we use around the future of work, around just the future, is wording that restricts us from being able to reimagine what it could possibly look like. Zanelen Japa is known as the unlearning lady. She helps people and organizations unlearn old thinking and old habits that aren't going to be useful to us in the future. And she believes we're going to have to let go of the idea of going somewhere to work. I would say well, the homes of the future are really going to be designed to support a hybrid working environment or a hybrid working individual. So an individual who oftentimes wants to work from home. We've already seen that we've got the technology to achieve this, thanks to a year and a half of COVID-19 lockdowns. Our ways of living cannot remain the same. We are a changing people. We are going to have a different relationship between home and work. Everybody's working from home, and you know that all the big banks and all the big corporates have not taken people back. So I'm asking myself, what are these offices doing? They've been standing empty for all this time. And what is the future of the office space? What is the future of the office building? It's the big question. If we're no longer going to the office, what do we do with it? For Luyanda, the answer is we have to use it for something else. Probably we're going to be seeing maybe some conversions where office buildings are being converted either into mixed-use buildings which incorporate office and residential or some are going to be converted into residential. Is the future a distant reality or something we shape with the progress we make today? Over a hundred years ago, Audi was founded on a vision of constant progress. In 2022, we accelerate this journey with the new Audi e-tron range, a collection of progressive, all-electric vehicles designed to usher in a new era of mobility. Let's shape tomorrow's world together. The Future is an Attitude podcast series, proudly brought to you by Audi. Read more at 702.co.za. Another huge change we're heading towards in these new vertical cities of the future is how we get around. Already, we're seeing electric vehicles operating worldwide. Cars, taxis, buses, trains, boats, all running on clean, quiet electric power. It's probably the most exciting time for 
motor industry and for car design. Taryn Knight is head of PR, marketing and product at Audi. And she's got some big ideas about how cars can and will change as they go electric. We've got so much available in terms of the power of the vehicle now coming from the batteries that are placed on the floor. The fact that you don't have the engine at the front, you don't have so many mechanical pieces connecting the front and the rear for the drivetrain. You've got a lower center of gravity. You've got more space available for the interior of the vehicle. And with that space, design flexibility is reimagined. And when you look to the future, instead of being designed from the outside in, vehicles can now be designed from the inside out with that amazing space that's available to designers. Now, combine electric vehicles with another huge leap forward, autonomous driving technology. And suddenly, what you've got is a lounge on wheels. So the car of the future is definitely something completely different than we've experienced before. It becomes an experiential device. And part of that is autonomous driving. Part of it is connected experience. So having access to everything you would normally enjoy in your home, but now on the move. A vehicle that drives itself while you get on with your life. The car becomes the second space that you yourself are responsible for designing for yourself and choosing for yourself. So it's no longer about how do I get from one place to the next through controlling this vehicle. It's about enjoying an experience as you move from one place to the next. Think about this, not just my car being driverless, but if every car was driverless, then every car would be able to speak to every other car and between them, they would all be able to come up with the best traffic pattern for now. Graham Codrington is a futurist. He studies the world of today to try to work out what it's going to look like tomorrow. He sees autonomous vehicles not only being more convenient, but safer too. MIT has done the modeling of this and we can dramatically increase traffic efficiency by about 76% and a 96% improvement in safety. Because every car, every bus, every truck, every lorry, every taxi would know what every other vehicle is trying to achieve. And so you'd have this massive improvement in the traffic ecosystem. There's one more way in which transport is going to evolve in the future. One that's closely tied to this idea of driverless vehicles. Right now, Cars around the world spend a whopping 95% of their time parked in a bay. But imagine if our vehicles didn't have downtime. Imagine if they kept moving, if they kept driving once we've reached where we need to go. You're not driving it, so you're just sitting as a passenger. And you don't want that driverless car to drive you to the office and then sit in a parking lot doing nothing all day. It can go and do anything it likes. So imagine that same driverless car system being an Uber system. And whenever you need a car, there's one available for you. So with these driverless autonomous vehicles, there would be no need for parking lots, roadside parking, even garages in our homes. All of those buildings, all of that space would open up for something else. It's this emphasis on design, this rethinking of things from the inside out that allows the city of the future to begin to emerge. We reuse, repurpose, and refashion existing structures, things and spaces to suit our evolving needs. And all of them can expand and contract, move around, change their function, and adapt to us instead of the other way around. 
I think that not only in architecture, we have to approach design in terms of how do you consider the aspects that inform your design? How do you consider use when the building is done? How do you consider adaptability? Can it be adapted to different situations? Can it respond to different uses? This idea of one thing being able to turn into something else, depending on what we need it for, doesn't only have to apply to buildings or vehicles. With smart design and cutting-edge technology, we may soon see a whole new generation of products that can adapt, changing into whatever we need them to be. And many of them are inspired by the greatest designer in the world, nature. Of all the organisms, I think the one that blows my mind most is one called the mimic octopus. It is capable of transforming itself within seconds or a fraction of a second. Kameli Sesibanda is an expert in biomimicry. He studies nature and how we can mimic it to solve our human problems. And he thinks the mimic octopus has something to teach us about design. It can change its shape. It can change its color. It can change its texture. It can be smooth or as rough as a, a rock. It can uh, pretend to be as much as 15 different other organisms. So if it wants to attack, it will pretend maybe to be something friendly. Or if it wants to escape or scare another animal, it can pretend to be a snake. The mimic octopus has already inspired the design of everything, from soft, color-changing robots to camouflage material and medical technology. And I asked myself, can you imagine if we had products that we could easily transform in the house? Instead of having so many gadgets and things in the house, imagine if you had this product, which at the click of a button, you can change its shape, you can change its texture, you can change its color. I think that would be mind-blowing. Designing for the future isn't only about physical spaces and things. We can use design to solve more intangible problems too, using data and technology. I sort of start referring to technology now as a method or technique that allows us to solve a problem by removing a previous constraint. Rapelang's latest entrepreneurial experiment is about designing new ways to learn. She started a company called Rekindle Learning to help solve a fundamental design problem in education. Increasingly, we're understanding that you can give someone great content, but it doesn't mean they'll come out a great nurse or a great teacher based on the content. And it's increasingly more about how people learn as opposed to what. And that changes the game altogether. As a result, Rappelang's company designed a whole new way of learning. In a lot of the learning interventions they'll be running, customers will face limitations now on we're not getting enough feedback from the teams and the staff on how it's going. We're not getting enough cross-pollination of learning, etc. So how do I remove those constraints by designing certain features into our learning experience and applications? Because almost every problem is couched in a limitation that can be broken, essentially. And now with more and more powerful technologies, there's very little you can't solve for. One of the biggest problems we're currently trying to solve for as a species is that we're running out of natural resources. And that's where the idea of circular design can assist. 
Circular design really combines the principles of the circular economy and systems thinking. It is about already when you make something, thinking how it will be made, how it will be used, and what will happen at the end of its useful economic life. It adds another dimension to design, and it's really important from a sustainability and responsibility point of view. It's about being conscious of what happens to this product once our consumers are finished with it. And that is not only important to business, but it's also really important to consumers. I think the consumers of the future are going to pay a lot of attention to what is going to happen to this product once I'm finished using it. Design is constantly evolving. We're getting better at thinking about the whole life cycle of a product and how to make our products more sustainable. We're also getting better at putting humans at the center of the design process, making sure that what we're designing for is us, people-centered design that can carry us into the future. I think that as a society, we have to start elevating design a little bit more and not think it's just a crazy bunch of architects and, and graphic people and street artists and all that. But design has to penetrate all our lives so that we can start appreciating the role of space in our lives and the role of design in our lives. Designers have the most incredible way of fusing form and function. I think they have creative minds that focus on the actual purpose behind, whether it's a device or an object, they look at what is the purpose of that object? What are we trying to achieve? It's not just about a chair being a chair or a vehicle being a vehicle. It's about the other possibilities and what people are wanting to actually gain out of sitting or driving or moving around. Designers stand in the future. They imagine the world that's coming. They experiment, they play, they push boundaries. And they help us see our world of tomorrow before it arrives. I'm really looking at us seeing buildings and design in a very different way than we are doing at the moment. I, I really feel quite frustrated that even educated friends that I have, when I start talking architecture to them, there's a realization that, wow, we've never thought of it like this. We've never seen our spaces like this. Buildings that can connect us, enthrall us, and help us live better lives. Cities that can heal past wounds and offer us a new kind of future. Designs that can solve some of our most pressing problems and still make us feel at home. And I think the more we share those experiences and increase the level of appreciation of design and architecture and stuff, then we'll see real progress. The future is an attitude, the way we imagine and embrace it, the way we shape it with our thinking and our actions, and the way we infuse it with our hopes and our dreams. The attitudes we adopt today are laying the foundations of our tomorrow. Still to come on Future is an Attitude, we take a look at what it takes to drive the change we need to see in the world. If designers help us visualize the future, high performers lead the charge into it. But are high performers born or made and what drives them to change the world? We examine how hard work, ambitious goals and a clear purpose can intersect with incredible results. And just a reminder, if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe for more episodes and do us a favor, tell a friend about it too. Because after all, we're building our future together. 
Is the future a distant reality or something we shape with the progress we make today? Over a hundred years ago, Audi was founded on a vision of constant progress. In 2022, we accelerate this journey with the new Audi e-tron range, a collection of progressive, all-electric vehicles designed to usher in a new era of mobility. Let's shape tomorrow's world together. The Future is an Attitude podcast series, proudly brought to you by Audi. Read more at 702.co.za.